Father, we thank you for what you have done through the church and through uh, the head of the church, who is Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that we are able to gather in your name. Your word revealed to us and in us the truth, that we may grow and come to the knowledge of the truth and in the measure and stature of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may you be glorified through our lives and how we live, reflect who you are in us and through us. Amen. Turn to with me to Matthew chapter 11. Let me read from verse 25 through verse 30. This will be our main text today. Verse 27 will be what I'll focus on, but we'll get this text in context so that we understand how to know God. Continue to talk about the knowledge of God being eternal life. John chapter 17, 3 says that to know God, to know Christ is eternal life. And eternal life, basically, what it means is happiness. We find purpose and we find the happiness which is in in God for all eternity, and that is happiness. So how to know God? There are many ways to know God, but there is only one way to know God, to have eternal life, and that is knowing God through Jesus Christ. In verse 25 of chapter 11, Matthew, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight, all things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Note interestingly, in this short passage, he is both praying, teaching, and then calling. First two verses, he's praying to the Father. And then verse 27, he's teaching. And then in the latter three verses, he is calling those who heard him to come. In verse 27 is the text that we will focus on today. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son, but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Jesus talks about knowing God is his purpose. He has come to the earth and was born incarnate so that he can reveal the Father to us. Man has tried to find God before the time of Christ, Plato formulate the concept of the divine through the eye of the mind being able to see the form. And we try in various ways, in clever ways at times, trying to conceptualize and visualize who God is. Because ultimately we know that knowing God is happiness, is eternal life. But here Jesus Christ, what he's saying is that there's no way for us to know God. There's no way for anyone to know God. We can learn, we can make conjecture, we can formulate our theories on who God is in attempt to know God, but we won't be able to know God unless Christ reveals His Father to us. There's no way to know God except through Christ. We can learn about God through the text, we can learn about God through people, but to really know God, to have eternal life, it has to be revealed to us through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. And that is my thesis today. First of all, salvation 
to be saved, we need to know God. And you cannot know God by proxy, meaning you cannot because you have a relationship with someone who knows God. Salvation is yours through this proxy. It doesn't work that way. You have to come to the knowledge of God yourself for salvation. And that's what we will look at first in Luke chapter 1, verse 77. To give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. Luke talks about why Jesus Christ had to incarnate, and that is to give knowledge of salvation. Salvation is not something that we receive. Salvation is knowledge. If you look at this text, it says to give knowledge of salvation. Unless we know and have knowledge of salvation, we do not have remission for our sins. To come to the knowledge of salvation is to be saved. Salvation is not a gift that we receive, but rather it is a knowledge so that we be saved. To put it another way, if you're sick and you come to the doctor and the doctor prescribes to you the medicine and you take the medicine and you are healed, that is saving you from your sickness. In contrast, salvation is different. When you are sick in your sin and you go to Christ for salvation, to be healed from that sickness of your sin, He doesn't give you a medicine and that after you take that medicine, you'll be healed. When you take the medicine, do you know what the medicine is made of? We don't know the chemical composition of it. We don't know how it's made. We don't know what it does to our body. We just take it. Chemically, that medicine is supposed to make us feel better again. Salvation doesn't work that way. Salvation is not a pill that we take and that somehow baptize and somehow that water make you saved. That's not what how salvation is. Salvation is understanding how Jesus Christ saved you. That knowledge of the how, the inner working of God is what saves us. So the gospel has to be made known. That's why we preach. We don't have colleges teaching people about how to make drugs so that they can be healed by taking the drugs. You don't have to, you just take the drugs. But there are many churches, there are many uh, biblical institutions to teach people about God because we need to know God to be saved. Salvation is through the knowledge of God, not taking some kind of spiritual pill that will save you. We need to come to the knowledge of salvation. Again, to give knowledge of salvation, not to give salvation, but give knowledge of salvation, and whereby we have that knowledge of salvation, our sins would be remiss. The gospel has to be known. Therefore, the church exists. Therefore, missionaries exist. Therefore, biblical teacher exists. Therefore, we exist as friends, as neighbors, to explain to people the gospel, because they need to have this knowledge themselves to be saved. The gospel has to be made known because it is hidden. The gospel is the mystery. In 2 Corinthians 4.9, the gospel is hid to them that are lost. It is the church's responsibility, it is yours and my responsibility to reveal this mystery to them because they need to know this to be saved. It's not just receiving something blindly. It is saving knowledge. It is not blind faith. The gospel is hidden. We need to reveal the gospel. We can understand the gospel by reading it, but that understanding of the gospel does not bring us to salvation. We need to know God. Without the light of Christ, the gospel is hidden. To reveal the mystery of the gospel, we need to have the light of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is hid to all those who are lost. 
and needs to be revealed through the explanation and through the light of Jesus Christ. And lastly, God must open man's eye to see the light of Christ. It is not something that we can do. We can explain the gospel to someone and God has to work in them to open their eyes so that they can receive the gospel. Because we can read the full gospel, we can read the whole Bible, we can memorize it, but unless God opens our minds to the understanding of it, man does not come to the knowledge of salvation. It is your responsibility, your possession of the knowledge of salvation that will save you. Again, it's not a, a spiritual pill that we take that will save us. We have to understand the gospel. And that is why the church exists to teach us about God, to teach us about the saving grace. To be saved, you must possess the knowledge of the gospel. The eyes of the blind must be open for him to get to heaven's gate. You cannot be led to heaven's gate while being blind. Christ has to open your eyes and then you on your own feet get to heaven's gate. That is how the gospel will save you. God will give you the knowledge of the way to salvation. You recognize that way is Jesus Christ. You take that step through Christ to get to God's. So your eyes must look upon Christ to be saved. In John chapter 3 verse 14, you must by your own faith arrive at salvation, not through another's faith. Habakkuk 2.4, the just shall live by his faith not by someone else's faith. We have a tendency to believe that, oh, the church will save me, or my Christian friend will somehow get me to heaven's door. But that's not the gospel. The just shall live by his faith. Secondly, to know Christ is to hear the gospel preach. I want to draw the distinction between preaching the gospel and teaching the gospel. Sometimes we are confused between what does it mean to teach the gospel and what does it mean to preach the gospel. There is a clear distinction. To teach the gospel is to teach the church about the Bible, the gospel. That is to teach the gospel. To preach the gospel is to make a proclamation of the gospel. When you make a proclamation, it is the truth that is being set in heaven, making a declaration of the truth. And when that declaration is made, it is set, it is final. If you ever watch boxing, after every matchup, it doesn't matter how clearly one opponent knocks out the other one and the other one is lying on the floor unconscious. The winner is not proclaimed until the referee comes over, lifts up the hand and proclaim the winner. That is the proclamation of the winner. And without that proclamation, the winner is not the winner until it is proclaimed. So the power is in the referee to make that declaration that this is the winner. Preach the gospel or when we proclaim the gospel and when the gospel is proclaimed, there's power that exists because the authority of God given to us to preach the gospel or to proclaim the good news has the power accompany it. And that is the difference between preaching the gospel and teaching the gospel. The preaching of gospel declares the truth with power or the power to save. And when the gospel is preached, there is power accompanying it to save, to open the eyes of the blind. Eternal life is knowing God. John chapter 17, verse 3, to know God and to know Jesus Christ, His Son, is eternal life. Knowing God requires preaching of the gospel. Learning Christ requires teaching and studying of the gospel. But knowing God requires the preaching of the gospel. Grace that comes when hearing the gospel causes men to cry out for salvation. In Romans 10.4, How then shall they call on him 
who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? The opening up of the mind to the knowledge of God requires the preaching of the gospel. That is the first step to salvation. After a person has come to the knowledge of God through the preaching of the gospel, then teaching happens. Of course, we do this in various ways. In Awana, we teach them first, and then we proclaim, and hopefully through the proclamation of the gospel, through teaching and the foundation that we lay to give them a cultural foundation of the biblical understanding because they're so young, so that they can come to the knowledge of God when the gospel is proclaimed. How can you preach Christ unless you know Him? So that is our responsibility. And how can God be known unless we learn Christ? So it is our responsibility not only to teach, and that comes after, but it's our responsibility to also preach the gospel. Paul told Timothy, preach the gospel in season or out of season. He also told Timothy to teach the doctrine, but he says, preach the gospel. Because the gospel is a mystery, it is locked. In Ephesians 6, 19, as for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Preaching the gospel caused the mystery of the gospel to be revealed. We might not know or we might not cognitively aware of what we are saying and makes cognitive sense for us. But in preaching the gospel, the word will go out of our mouth, like Paul says, boldly, that the utterance may be given to me, meaning he may be able to formulate these words that are coming out of his mouth in Ephesians 6.19, that I may open my mouth boldly because we are not sure how the calling on the Lord Jesus Christ might save people, but we proclaim that knowing that that is what the truth is. And we might not know exactly how the truth works. We proclaim the truth knowing that there is power in the preaching of the gospel to make known the mystery of the gospel. And that's how the gospel is made known, through the preaching. The gospel is mystery to a sinful man. Make known the mystery of the gospel is every Christian's responsibility. We might not understand fully what, what this means, but we can make proclamation. When we say something such as, God loves you, we are making a declaration that we don't know for sure. How do you know for sure? You're not God, how do you know that God loves someone? But we know that or we believe it because we believe what the gospel tells us what the Bible tells us. So we can proclaim with someone who is in a state of despair and we turn to them and we say, God loves you. And we say that by faith because there's no confirmation. We, we don't have any kind of rationality to back what we say, but we just believe and we make that proclamation. We must learn Christ to know God and preach the gospel or it will be hidden to the lost. Praying for the sick requires a tremendous amount of faith because we're not doctors, we're not even healers. We're only people who pray. And when we put our hands on someone we pray, the things that are coming out of our mouth are words of faith. We can't make anyone heal. We can only proclaim that by the word of Christ, he said that you will go out there, preach the gospel, lay hand on the sick, and they shall recover. And we stand by that word and we make that declaration knowing that what, what Jesus Christ said is true. Knowing God through Christ. Going back to Matthew eleven twenty seven, No man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither know any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. The only way to know God is to have God revealed 
to us through Jesus Christ. No one else. Only Jesus Christ can reveal the Father to us. And knowing Christ, to know God the Father, the Son must reveal God to us. But how do we know the Son? How do we know Christ? How do we know He is revealing the Father to us? Through the revelation of the Scripture. We know the Son through the Scripture. John chapter 5, verse 39. Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. The Scripture does not give us the way to salvation. The Gospel gives us Jesus Christ, and through Christ we have salvation. The Bible points to Christ as God's Messiah. It has always been. Even the Old Testament, when Jesus says the scriptures, search the scripture, he's referring to the 24. He's referring to the Old Testament, to the Jewish Bible. He's telling the people, look in your scripture, look in your traditional book that you call the scripture, and all of that in the scripture talks about me. On the road to Emmaus, he was talking to two friends, and he explained to them from Genesis to Malachi about the Messiah. It talks about Jesus Christ. Christ is the self-revealing Word of God. So as Jesus Christ is revealed in the New Testament, He is also revealing God through Himself by what He say, because Jesus Christ is the second person in the Trinity. He is called the Word of God. He exists in the beginning when God spoke, or in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God. So Christ is the self-revealing Word of God. And thirdly, we know Christ by read the Bible. When I say the Bible, I'm referring both to the Old Testament and to the New Testament. In there, we will find Christ. The scripture, Christ, and the Bible, the whole Bible, through reading it, through revelation, and through the word, we come to know who Jesus Christ is. Secondly, through the preaching of the gospel. We know Christ by the preaching of the gospel. In Romans 16, 25, now to him that is power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. To know Jesus Christ, we need to hear him being preached. If Christ is not preached, we cannot come to know him. Because in preaching the gospel, the power of that preaching reveals Christ or reveal the mystery, the revelation of the mystery is revealed through the preaching of Jesus Christ. The mystery of Christ is revealed through the preaching of the gospel. Declaring Christ through the preaching of the gospel carries the power to save, such as when the declaration of the winner proclaimed, holding up his hand and said, this is the winner, makes that person now officially the winner of the match. The same thing can be said about declaring Jesus Christ. When we say Jesus Christ is Lord, the Son of God, we're making a declaration and that has power that establishes the authority of Jesus Christ in the environment where he's being preached. So the preaching of Jesus Christ establishes the authority of Jesus Christ and it carries the power to bring men to salvation. When the people were sick in the wilderness and God told Moses to make a serpent, a brazen serpent, and put it on the stick and all those who look at him and be saved. He obeyed God and made that symbol, even though God could just heal everyone. But there is a lifting up of the serpent on the tree. There is a declaration. There is a form or 
an ordinance that people has to adhere to, and then they will be saved. In a similar way, Christ has to be lifted up through our preaching. People had to turn their eyes, their eyes had to be open, turn their eyes to Christ, lifting up on that on that tree, and they call upon him and they will be saved. And that is through the preaching of the gospel. All right, lastly, knowing God. Only through Christ can we know God. Learn Christ and you will know God. So the question is, how do you know God? You know God through Christ. Through Christ, how do you come to know God? You know God by knowing Christ because Jesus Christ is God. Seeing God by faith. In John chapter 14, verse 9, the famous narrative here. This is the conversation that Jesus had with Philip. And Jesus said unto him, I have been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou, show us the Father? Here we see that Jesus Christ says, If you see me, meaning if you have seen the Son, of course, we now 2,000 years later can't see Christ the same way that Philip saw him. But it is obvious from this text that that's not what Jesus Christ is referring to, not seeing him in the flesh. What Jesus Christ is referring to here is Philip not able to see Christ. Now, I want to draw this distinction of the word when I say Christ versus when I say Jesus. I'm not saying Jesus as the man I'm saying Christ as the Messiah. So Philip might see Jesus as his master and his Lord, but he's not able to see Christ as the Messiah. That is the difference. But if we see Christ, then we have seen God because he, Christ, and God is one. To see God is to see Christ. But how to see Christ? It can't be the person, Jesus Christ. It can't be the man in the flesh, Jesus Christ. That's not how we see God. Even though that is the first fruit of God's resurrection in the flesh, and Christ in the flesh is with God right now. But through seeing Christ, meaning God's Messiah, His essence with us in the church and through the church, we are seeing God. How do you do it? Let's turn to John chapter 14. There are a couple of verses there that will make this very clear to you. First of all, we see God by faith, believing in the gospel promise, and you will see Christ. So the only way to see God is not through our natural eyes, but we see God through faith. For the just shall live by faith and not by sight. So we see God through the eyes of our faith. In verse 10, Believest thou not that I am in the Father? So Jesus Christ talk, uh, is speaking to Philip and he say, Not what you are visually able to see, but what you are able to believe. So he's saying in verse 10 and in verse 11, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father and I are one? So to see God, you need to believe in Jesus Christ. That is the only way to see God, to have faith, to have this faith in Christ and what he said. And then in verse 12, we see, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, again, the third time. He's talking about faith here, not talking about visual. Believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. So we are seeing Christ through working through Christ or working with Christ. Then we will see God. It is hard to see God conceptually by faith. But faith without works is dead. Faith and works has to come together. When you have faith and you are doing the work of the kingdom, the work and faith will begin to collaborate 
producing the visual of God or producing the image of God in you. God forming in our lives through our working with God. If you turn back to Matthew 11, that is why after he's making this declaration that the only way for us to know God is through him, and then he says, come unto me, learn of me, and put on my yoke, meaning work with me in the field of soul. So through our working, God is revealed. Through our ministry in God, through Christ, God is revealed. To see God, we need to believe. We need to believe in what He said. We need to believe in His promises. And by believing, we begin to work with Him or work through Him. And in that ministry, in that work, we begin to see God. If you ever teach kids about God, you can tell them a lot of things and you can instill in them a lot of concept of God. But until they start owning the responsibility of knowing God by doing the work, by digging into the Word, by doing their homework, God remains very vague until they actually work or witness about Him. Then God will become more real because now they take ownership of the responsibility of that knowledge. So faith and works goes together. How do you learn Christ? Some practical method for us to learn Christ. First, Christians are known to be people of the book. We have the Bible. It has been with us. It has been faithfully transmitted. So the scripture to us carries a tremendous weight and importance. And we need to learn the word. We need to read it. We need to be familiar with the word of God, the actual text. And the only way for us to do that is through constant reading. You can't just read it once. I'm reading a book on the U.S. history, and I just finished. I have to go back and read it because most of what I've read, I forgot. My mind's not that good. We have to constantly reading and rereading. Secondly, to get this word into our lives, we need to memorize it. I wish that we can memorize the whole thing, but try to memorize some part of it, some section of it. It only took me about four months and I memorize Romans 8. There's something that is that's much deeper and richer when you have the Word of God memorized and then reading it on the page. I would be running. I would be sitting in traffic. I would be anywhere. The memory of the Word of God feeds into your soul. So memorizing the Word of God through repetition caused the change in our brain. When you memorize the Word of God, your brain changes. The neurological uh, makeup of your brain changes and it changes who you are. We are our minds, aren't we? And when your brain, your mind changes, it changes who we are. So try to memorize the Word of God, especially the Word of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, study. Dig deeper into the text meaning through reading commentaries, books, literature on the text. Now, I'm constantly reading uh, other people's work and exposition and exegesis on the Word of God, the commentaries, different, different views, historical. When you study, what you're saying to yourself is that this is important. This Word is important, and I will spend my time studying it. If you plant a garden, you would do research. You go online. You, you look through literature. I just got myself a plant, my first plant. It's called the ZZ plant. It's one of the easiest plants to take care of, but I know I'll kill it. I, I just know it. I go online, I do my research because I care. I care about keeping it live, so I do my research. If your soul is important to you, and if our faith is important to us, then we need to do the research, dig into it, search the scripture, 
Fourth, teach. Taking ownership of your learning by teaching the text. Unless you teach, you won't own it. When you have a responsibility of teaching the text, when you learn, you will be very careful about what you learn. Not just for the sake of my own benefit, but I better be careful about what I teach and what I say because I am to be judged more harshly. And lastly, preach because that's what we are called to do, to preach the gospel, to proclaim the gospel. Declaring the gospel of Christ through proclamation is how the power of the word is expressed. So all these steps culminate to we declaring the gospel with faith and with power, with the authority that God's given to us. Paul told Timothy, and Timothy has been told to preach the gospel, and today we have been called to proclaim, make the gospel known to all. And once we declare the word of God, we're not only preaching to people that hear us, we're also preaching to ourselves, and that reinforces our learning and our meditation through the gospel. And that's how we come to know God. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word that comes and causes us to be faithful to what we have learned, what had been declared to us. And I pray for each one of us that we will come to a place in our lives where we love your word, we memorize your word, cause your word to change us, our minds, our being, our essence, make us into an instrument through whom you will preach your gospel. For all those that will listen and hear, they will come to knowledge of truth and come to salvation. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done, and we thank you for what you will do. And I thank you, Lord, for the lives of those that are under your church today, and may they will grow and become fruitful in the preaching and in the knowledge of God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.